today and we're leaning in, we're learning, we're getting better, we're growing. And my name is Hayden. I'm the senior pastor here at Walk Church. And on behalf of my wife, Nina, we're grateful you came today. I think Pastor Mike said it so well. Welcome home. We pray that this would just not be a church you attend, but this would be a family you'd belong to. And we would love for you to take those steps, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's filling out a connection card, coming to one of our next step tents and saying, hey, how do I, how do I take a step? I know the word walk means to take, to take my next step. Help me do that. And we love to do that. So we're in this book called Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament, the left side of your Bibles. And I want to invite you to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter one, which is where we'll be spending the majority of our time this morning. When you get there, say, I'm there. I'm there. That was quick, Chapper. I'm there. Anybody on this side there? A couple of you guys are still flipping or logging or scrolling. Um, anybody on this side there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. One second. I'm up. Yes. If you're online right now, come on, let's welcome our online family. Just go ahead and thankful that you're joining us for church online. God's not just on time. He's online and he's going to meet you through the screen. We had our brother Tim Deep with us online this morning, and we've been praying for him. We're praying him all the way home, and uh, we're believing God for continual miracles in his life, and uh, anybody else who's watching online too, we just want to honor you right this moment. Feel free to hit share on Facebook or subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you get all the content that we're pushing out throughout the week. Nehemiah chapter 1 in verse 11 is where we're landing here today. Before I read this verse and we look in it, I want to just remind you that Nehemiah chapter one is such a special chapter and there's reason behind why we've spent a little bit of extra time working through it. Here's why, because it's rare that you get an entire chapter in the Bible that's just somebody's recorded prayer. Nehemiah gets this burden on his heart for his hometown and he senses, I need to go back and I need to be the change that that I want to see. I want to I want to help build the wall, rebuild this wall that was torn down. I want to help rebuild the gates that were set on fire. I want to get back with my people who I love so dearly. And before he responds with a step, he takes it to God in prayer. And what's so amazing is we have the prayer that he actually prayed. He wrote it down in this book and we're, we're examining it and we're learning from it, and we're catching things that I really think would be helpful here today. So if you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. eat. Nehemiah chapter one, verse 11. Here's what Nehemiah prays. He says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him Mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, you give us ears that hear, a mind that's open to your word, a heart that is moldable, ready to receive. And God, we would, we would catch something in this sermon that would impact us today. I'm not even going to pray for tomorrow. That impact us today. Today's going to lead to tomorrow. 
God, that there be something that unlocks in this sermon that transforms us by your power, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to preach a message to you today from the subject that I'm titling, Three Prayers That Will Change Your Life. Three Prayers That Will Change Your Life. I want to look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, and I want to give you three unique, distinct prayer focus points that I believe if you pray these prayers, they'll change your life. If you're ready, one more time, say ready. ready. We're going to look at these three prayers. Maybe you're thinking, what are these, these three prayers? Well, we're going to go to them in just a minute. Nehemiah kicks off here. He's closing. This is the last stanza of his prayer. This is the last verse in his prayer. He says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant into the prayer of your servants. I want to just go ahead and remind you. I love that because it reminds me of the, the sermon I preached a couple weeks ago. Let me see if any of you remember. If you want to get God's attention, ask for it. This is the second time in just a, a small collection of verses that Nehemiah says, oh Lord, again, don't lose attention. Stay, God, stay locked in. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your Humble prayer, your servant. And then he says, let me start to pray on behalf of my fellow servants here with me and who are heading back home to the prayer of your servants. And then he says this phrase right here that made me stop and lean in. I didn't want to rush past it. I wanted to lean into it. He says, who delight to fear your name. Who delight to fear your name. Nehemiah says, here's the posture behind this prayer. It's a specific type of motivation. Here's what it is. It's the motivation of delight. Who delight to fear your name. The first prayer point that I really think will change your life is to pray for the right motivation. I heard a mmm. Japper gave me a come on. That was it. Pray for the right motivation. When I say that, I believe it speaks to the heart. Pray for the right heart, the right motivation. How many of you believe that motivation matters? Amen? Motivation matters. The motive behind what we do is actually the thing that God is looking at. God has x-ray vision. David tells us, God doesn't just see the outward appearance. Though he sees that too. God looks beyond that into the heart. And I believe that it's what God puts on the scale when he measures is less about the action, more about the motive. The thing I want you to ask yourself today is, are my motives right? And if you sense maybe they're not right, here's what you can do. You can pray this first point. God, give me the right motive. Help my motivation for what I feel called to do, to be right. Filled with delight. This is the motivation of Nehemiah. Solomon says in a, cha- a few books before, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse two, he says it like this. Let's read it together. Ready, set, go. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. If I were to ask you, hey, is it right in your eyes? Is your motive right? Is your actions right? I would probably guess you might say, of course they, it is. I, I, I'm pure. 
I'm making the wisest and right decision. But God is weighing the motive. My, my point and purpose is not to condemn you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Praise God. But maybe the Holy Spirit might convict you and say, you need to pray more for your motives. Because your motive for being here at church could be off. Your motive today at church could be, I need to do this instead of I get to do this. Your motive could be, well, this is a checkbox in my religious duties, and so you're choosing duty over delight. Maybe your motive here today is, you know, I've heard there's some strong men at walk or some pretty women at walk, and if I can sit close enough, they might be my future fill in the blank. (laughs) And I'm just here to say, God knows your motive, and I'm glad you're here, but there's an even better motive than that to be here. Nehemiah says, the motive I'm bringing into this prayer is the motive, the delight to fear your name. I've seen people that have come to church, and their motive is to be critical. I just want to find something to call out. I just want to find something to just so, so, to put my finger on and say, they, this wasn't right. This was wrong. If that's your motive here today, you got the wrong motive. Have the motive of a, of a disciple that wants to sit at the feet of Jesus rather than a Pharisee who wants to correct Jesus. Right? Jesus showed up at Mary and Martha's house in Luke chapter 10. And Martha wanted to clean the house and make sure it was all spectacular and do all these duties. Mary said, we'll do that later. I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Martha, it's not that what you're doing is wrong. It's just that your motive is wrong. She made the better choice. I want to encourage you to ask yourself often, not in a condemning way, but in a level up way. What's my motive? Is my motive right? Nehemiah's motive was delight over duty. I love this word delight. He says, I delight to fear your name. The word delight, by definition, I'll put one up here on the screen from dictionary.com. To give great pleasure, satisfaction, or enjoyment. To to please highly. I want us to get to this place. When I say us, I'm going to start with me. I want to get to this place where my relationship with God is defined by delight, not by duty. Where... We're spending time with God, amen? Spending time with God feels more like a great pleasure, more like a satisfaction, more like enjoyment and high-pleasing rather than something that I just have to do because the pastor said we should probably do this. If you feel like a have-to mindset, your motive is duty. The definition for duty is an obligation or a requirement. The definition for delight is, this is is great pleasure. Let me tell you the difference. Duty says, I have to. Delight says, I want to. Right? Amen? Duty says, I must do that. Delight says, I'm glad to do that. The motivation is what God is weighing. I came across a verse of scripture I remember when I was in college, that impacted my life, especially in those early days, and it's never left me. It's been a a scripture I committed to memory that the Holy Spirit will draw upon in my life and help me with throughout each season. And it's Psalm 37, verse 
foe. Psalm 37, verse 4. And here's what he says. He says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He says, as you delight yourself in the Lord, you give yourself to the Lord, not begrudgingly, not dutifully, but delightfully. He says, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's an interesting verse because depending on which lens you look through, which angle you view this verse, you can see it from two different ways. In some seasons, I've thought, okay, as I delight myself in the Lord, all these desires I have, he's gonna give them to me. He's gonna make them come to life. And then on in another season, I'm thinking, you know what, actually, as I delight myself in the Lord, he's actually giving me the desires of my heart. It's not just that he's making the desires come true. He's actually putting them in there. I've learned the more I've delighted in God, the more that my desires have changed. Like if you're not careful and you start delighting in God, you're going to change. You're going to get to this place where you're like, I never thought I would listen to this type of music. It's weird. Some of you like, clapping. I've never really thought I would like feel this way or I definitely never thought I would like going to church. I go to church. I go early. I serve. I stay later. This is different. Where did these desires come from? You've been delighting in God. I didn't think I would ever stop listening to this, start listening to that, stop watching this, start watching that. I, 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 things are different. My desires are changing. My I'm I dress different. I think different. I'm talking different. What's, it's, like, it's like the Grinch. You know, the Grinch toward the end of the movie, he's like, I'm feeling. And his heart grew three sizes. And he's like, what is that? It's a feeling. I'm feeling something. Why? I'm delighting in God and I'm changing. Friend, don't stay the same. Come on. Be a, be, the next you is the better you. God wants to, he's not done with you yet. Come on, somebody say praise God. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. There's still more chiseling he has to do in my life. Sometimes that's hard, but his, his will for me is good. He wants to take me to new places. The more I delight in God, the more I have desire for God. The desires of my heart are changing, and God's bringing those desires to life. I want to encourage you to increase your delight, to pray for your delight. And let me be the first to say that there has been several times in my life where my relationship with God has felt more like duty than delight. Uh, let me go ahead and read the Bible today because I have to. Let me go ahead and get this religious act in because that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's in those moments when those moments happen, let me be the first to say I have them. As a pastor, this is what I do. Like I study the word. I'm, I try to encourage and disciple and meet with people and help them grow. I too have struggle in this area. But let me give you the prayer to pray when you have struggle in this area. Lord, change my desire. God, give me the right motive. Change my motive. God, I just sense my motive isn't right right now. Can you change my motive? And I, I believe God responds to that. When you start to feel duty... Ask God to change it to delight. Duty says, this is a chore. Delight says, 
This is a pleasure. Duty says this is a burden. Delight says this is a blessing. Duty says I need to get the credit. Delight says he needs to get the credit. I give it to him. It wasn't about me from the beginning. Psalm 37 verse 4. I want to encourage you to keep reading if you're looking at this psalm from David. Into verse 23 and 24 of the NIV translation. It says, it says the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. God will firm up your steps. He will firm up your foundation when your heart moves to delight. Your vision will get clearer. He'll start to move fog out of the way. He'll start to define what your next step looks like. Though you may stumble, you won't fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. If you, if you feel like you're in this season, this is, could be convicting. I'm just, I'm giving you some handlebars. If you feel like you're in this season where you're like, man, everything just feels so mushy and wavering. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really know my calling. I don't really know my purpose. I just need, um, it's, how's your delight? I don't feel like anything is firm. How's your delight? I want to ask you that. I want to just, I want to ask you how, give, if you're, if you're a couple in the room, give each other permission to say, how's your delight? Don't just say, how's your time in the word? Because you could have time in the word and do it out of duty. You could have, how, have you been praying? Yeah, but out of duty. How's your delight? Delight is the motivation you bring into prayer. Delight is the motivation you bring into the word. If you go into the word and say, okay, God, I need, to read the Pro- I need to read Proverbs 12 today because it's just what I have to do. <sighs> Let me get through it. As opposed to, God, I'm gonna read Proverbs 12 today because I wanna hear you. I wanna hear your voice. I know there's a word in here for me. When I'm, when I'm really in delight, I feel unrushed. If I'm in delight, I might read it and I might say, you know what? It didn't hit me enough. I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna look harder. That, where's my journal at, right? You know, like, let, let me spend some more time in this. Because when you're delighting in someone or something, you want it to last longer. When you're, when you're delighting in a specific type of food, you don't want to eat it too quick, amen? Let me savor each bite. Come on, when you're sipping on a morning glory coffee, you're like, man, I don't want to drink it too fast. I just want to sip on it. You know what I'm saying? Because of the delight. Anybody remember Sunny Delight? <laughs> anybody, anybody come up on Sunny Delight? That was not real juice. That stuff was super fake. Whatever that was, Sunny Delight. Great name, though. Great name. Pray for the motivation. The right, the right motivation. Look at, look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, you find the, the gospel writer, the, the apostle John, writing in his epistle. He talks about this. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. Notice the cross. That vertically, we love you, God. And, and if we love God, we also love his children, horizontal. So God's saying, hey, look up and look around and let's walk in love together. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his 
commands. In fact, everybody say facts. facts. Big facts coming up. This is love for God. In other words, how can I know if I love God? This is what John said. How's your obedience? Do you keep his commandments? And are they burdensome or not? Keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Keeping the commandments of God shouldn't feel so much like a burden. You know, the definition of burden is something that's heavy. It's carrying a heavy weight. Delight, the words in there, light is, a, is the aim. It's being obedient to God. Now, sometimes there might be a little bit of risk or fear or I don't know how something's gonna turn out, but I promise you it's gonna be worth it. That the delight, like if you are having an issue with sexual sin or lust, turn away from it because of the delight that's in God is better than the delight that's in your sin. If you have an issue with obeying God in the area of maybe giving or generosity, here's what God says. He says, if you're going to give begrudgingly out of duty, don't even give it. For God loves a cheerful giver. God, when you're putting money into a tithe and offering envelope or you're doing it online and you're doing it because you have to, don't even give it. But when you can give because you want to, because you believe in it, because you're excited, because you know that the God of the universe, the God who has all the resources, David says the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills will provide everything. He took care of the birds and he even watered the flowers. Somehow he made all of that happen. How much more is he gonna take care of me? Of course I'm gonna give. I'm delighted. I'm a delightful to give. Right? It's not burdensome. It's delight. That, I believe, is where Nehemiah is when he writes this. He says, oh, Lord, please, please hear my prayer. I like how it says it in the NLT translation, Nehemiah 1.11. He says, oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. That honoring the Lord is not something that you feel like you have to do. It's something that you're excited. I'm excited to go. What does David say, Vashon? He says, it, it was made, made me glad to go into the house of the Lord. I walked into church excited. I got a text message from George this morning. Before I, right when I woke up, I saw a message from George. He said, I'm excited to go to church today. You know what I'm saying? I, I needed to read that. I said, you know what? Me too. I'm excited now too. You know? That doesn't feel like a burden. It feels like a blessing. This is the, the prayer. He, the, in the NLT, he says, in honoring you. But I want to look at the ESV too. He says, in fearing your name. Those who delight to fear your name. And this is interesting because I don't see this language too often. Those who delight in fearing your name. I, there's like this paradox, this, it, it, it almost may feel like it contradicts, but it doesn't. It's, God, I'm so excited to fear you. And I don't think that's the picture. I don't think that 
The picture when it says fear your name is to put your tail between your legs and go off scared and run away. That's not the fear. I think what Nehemiah is saying, he's saying, God, you are so good, so holy, so righteous, so big, so powerful, so mighty. You're from age to age. You're the king of kings. And I'm going to ask you for your attention right now. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm a little bit excited. That's where he's coming from. I'm excited that you listen to prayer even from little old me. Which is why Nehemiah starts with a whole bunch of confession. God, I've sinned. I'm going to acknowledge that. My people have sinned. I'll acknowledge it for them even if they can't acknowledge it. We've all blown it. But now, God, we delight in fearing your name. Listen to this prayer. So that's the first prayer. Pray for the heart. Pray for the heart. God, give me the right motivation. So my motivation is off, my day will be off. Help me start with the right motive, the motive of delight. The second thing he prays for as we continue looking at the text, he says, and give success to your servant today. I love this right here. The second thing that Nehemiah prays for, he says, God, first, give me the right motive, and second, give success to your servant today. The second point comes right out of that. The second prayer I wanna encourage you to pray is simply this, pray for a successful day. Can I just go ahead and give you that freedom? I, I, think, I think sometimes people need permission to pray for a successful day. This is what I like to call the hands. God, whatever I touch today, I pray it'd be successful. Whatever I put my hand to today, I'm praying it would succeed. The word succeed by definition means to achieve or accomplish the vision. Succeed means I set out to do this and I did it. God, what I'm praying for today, I'm praying is what will actually happen. I want to succeed today. I want to win today. I want to encourage you to have a better self-esteem. I want to encourage you to have a, a, a winning mentality. I love the phrase Jesus wins. We've been producing Jesus wins shirts since before we started the church because friend, you are on a winning team. We got to get away from this, woe is me. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just can't delight, man. I know delight. I was told to delight. I just feel like I just, I just can't get it right, you know. You look more like Eeyore than Pooh, right, than Tigger, right? Hey, man, you want to come to group? I guess. Did you pray today? Kind of. You want to go to church? I don't know. If you can pick me up. You know. Where's that coming from? That apathy, that, that spirit of laziness or that spirit of, you know what, whatever. That kind of mentality. Get away from the kinda and move into the success. Give the per yourself the permission to say, God, today, give me the right motivation and give me a whole lot of success. God, I need success today. I'm a winner. I'm a leader. I'm a champion. I'm going to give it my best. Whatever room I walk into, I'm walking in with my eyes open. Right? I'm walking with my head up. I'm believing God for greatness. I'm believing God for a turnaround. 
yeah, it didn't work out well, but God must have been in that. I'm believing for a successful day. I can't tell you what will happen tomorrow, but I know today I'm asking God for success. And I'm believing for it. I'm believing for it. You have the freedom to believe for it and to ask God for it. Tomorrow's not promised, but Nehemiah says, I'm praying for success today because if I have a successful day today, that's going to spill over to tomorrow. And he makes that a prayer of his. Whatever I put my hand to, God, give me success. I want you to bring that successful, prayerful mindset into every area of your life. For example, if you're married, God, give me a successful marriage. God, I pray success over my spouse. If you're not married yet, God, I pray for a future successful marriage. I'm going to start, start praying for it today. God, I pray for a successful spouse. If you're engaged, I pray for it, a successful engagement that walks in purity, that leads to a successful marriage. God, I pray for successful kids. I pray my kids would be successful. God, I believe that they'll have a successful day. When I drop you off at school today, God, I'm praying for a successful day in the classroom. You guys have maybe heard me share this before, but we just made it a pattern. Nina and I and our three little boys and one little boy on the way, we're praying for success for him already. I'm praying for a successful pregnancy. Come on, amen? A successful delivery, amen? Right? A successful Raiders season. All right, keep going, come on. Keep going. Hey, I, I want to encourage you. We, we, we have about a minute and a half, almost two-minute drive from our house to the gate that you can exit or enter into. And we just decided we're going to commit this drive from our house in the car to the gate to prayer. And we're praying. We're praying on the drive to school. God, we're praying for a great day at school today. And I'll say it. Sometimes I'll have to say, hey, we're praying for a great day at school today. God, we're praying for a great day at school today. <laughs> Who's, can, come on, give me one of your neighbors. God, I'm praying. Today we're praying for, we'll say their name. God, we pray for them. God, we're praying for our teachers. Who's your teachers? Come on, we're, we're praying for teachers. We're praying for mom. We're praying for brother. We're praying for, come on, we'll stick our hand to Schofield. They know the school as the church. We pray for the church. God, we pray for, who's your friends at church? Come on, let's start naming people. Pray for success. Pray for victory. God, I pray we would walk in victory today. The head, not the tail. The winning team, winning mentality. Whatever I put my hand to would be success. Successful meetings, successful drives on the road, successful in the classroom, successful on the basketball court, successful in the gym. God, I pray for a successful heart. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm a winner. I'm a leader. I'm a new creation. I'm a servant of King Jesus. God, give me a successful day today. Amen. Say that prayer. Bring that in. Believe for that. Believe for that. Don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad if you, if you, if you all of a sudden have a new perspective. You're, you're no longer E or you're Tigger. You know, I don't, I don't know the Tigger song, but it's like, there's nothing that Tigger can't do. Just walks in the room, just bouncing, bouncing, I'm bouncing, I'm bouncing, I'm bouncing, I'm bouncing. What do you want to do? Let's do something. Let's do something. What should happen to you? My motivation's different. I'm different. They say, man, you changed. I know. When are you going to change? When are you going to change? 
Let's change. Let's change together. You know, like let, that, that, I think you see some transformation. Transformation in your life. Pray for a successful day. There's nothing wrong with that. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says it like this. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Not they might succeed, not they could by chance maybe succeed. If you say, God, today I'm going to do what you call me to do. My actions are going to be driven and met by a right motivation. I'm going to bring that into whatever it is that I do. God says that's how you have successful plans. That's how your plans are going to succeed. If you don't commit your actions to the Lord, I can't guarantee they'll succeed. I probably can get close to guaranteeing that they're going to end in destruction. At some point, at some time, in some way, it's just not going to work. But God will tell you, if you commit him to me, did you know this? This is crazy. Did you know that God is the maker of all things? He's the creator of all things. He's the creator of life. He's the creator of strategy. He's the creator of thinking. He knows how to make something work or not. He knows what's going to succeed before you even try it. Commit it to him. Say, God, let's do this and let's do it together. Let's keep reading. We're almost done here. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. It's there again. It says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. I want to continue to lean into this topic. I'm almost done with it, but I'm, just, I'm pumped up because I, I want to be about, I want to, I'm in a successful church, yes. amen, around successful people with the right motive to give God glory. This is not motivated by pride. If that's the case, go back to point one. You missed the first point. The motivation is the key for success, right? Because I think when you're successful, people want to get around you. How many times have you seen the person who was on the bench all game get the interview after the game? Hey, great job tonight. How'd you, what, how'd you do? Well, I mean, just to, in order to contribute to this win, I've just sat on the bench, right? That person never gets the interview. It's the person who, who was successful. That people say, hey, what, how'd you, how, have you got, how have you got so successful in your career? Let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah who has changed my life, my motive. And God moves in that. Without counsel, plans fail. With many advisors, they succeed. I, I want to encourage you with this, this idea. When it comes to success, don't do it alone. That God doesn't give us the pathway to success by ourselves. The Lone Ranger Christianity doesn't exist. Who models that best? Jesus What's the first thing Jesus does when he starts his ministry? He says, let me get a team. He actually prays for a whole night about who he should have on his team. Jesus says, I don't need everybody on my team. I need the right people on my team. I need the right people. How about Jesus? He goes, I need fishermen on my team. I don't need fishermen that are really great. I need that fishermen that are just down to try, that go out and cast the net again. I need people that are going to walk with me, call to me, call to the ministry that I, I, I and see. And Jesus calls people to walk with. He says, look, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. He's modeling community. I want to encourage you 
to really walk in success, to not make decisions in your life by yourself. When it comes to especially making larger decisions, if you want it to succeed, invite some wise advisors. It doesn't have to be a lot. I love when people reach out to me and say, hey, Pastor Hyden, can you call me? I just, I got a quick question for you. Sure. Hey, how's it going? Going great. I need some wisdom. I'm in this predicament. I have to make this decision. What do you think I should do? You know what I'm gonna say? I'm not sure. Let's pray about it. Let's go to the word. Let's ask God. You know what? I don't even know if I can give you the right decision. Let's invite another person in. Does that make the decision longer? And does that add another step? Yes, but is the goal success? Or is is it quickness? I've made a lot of decisions quick that I regretted. And I just, I should have taken more time. I should have gotten some advice. I should have gotten some counsel. I would say before you make a decision, church, seek some counsel. Why? Because that's how you succeed. Let me say this. If you're the smartest person in your circle, get a new circle. You've already maxed out that circle. You guys got it. I can't, I'm not going down to your level. I got it. If you're the wisest person in your room, find a new room. If you're the smartest and wisest and strongest out of all your friends, get some more friends. I love hanging out with people that are better than me. It makes me rise up. I love hanging out with people that are smarter than me, better leaders than me, deeper thinkers than me, because then I'm, I'm challenged to have to grow. I need to be in the room with people that are experts in their area because I wanna, get, I wanna grow too. I like to, uh, come on, take me up. I'm always asking questions. Help me see it. Go deeper. Let's go further. I don't got it figured out. I need you. Help me succeed. That's a good mindset to carry. If you think you're smart enough, you're not. If you think you're strong enough, you're not. If Ecclesiastes 4.12, it just says two are better than one, period. I want to encourage you. So on one hand, pray for success, and on, on another hand, go get success. You might pray for success, and God might answer, success happens with advisors. And you might say, I know what I need to do. Before I make this decision, two, you fill in the blank. Maybe it's a decision to date somebody. Maybe it's a decision to get married. Maybe it's a decision to get divorced. Maybe it's a decision to X, Y, and Z. I'm gonna get some counsel from the right people because God told me if I do that, it'll succeed. And, and, and just one conversation might open your eyes up to something you didn't see. And then you might think, man, I'm so glad I asked. Amen? Yeah. Let's keep on going. We're almost done here. The third prayer point is in the last point of Nehemiah's prayer. He says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name, the heart. Give success to your servant today, the hands, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. This third point right here is simply found in the text. Here's the third point. Saying, pray for Mercy and favor. This is what I call the help. God, give me the right heart. Give me successful hands. And God, put helpers in my life 
for, give me helpers for, to accomplish what I need. Put the right helpers around me. Nehemiah says, in order for me to accomplish what God's called me to do, I need mercy and favor from the right people. In his case, it was the king. Right? Now, this text just told us, if you look back at the scripture, it closes by Nehemiah saying, now, I was a cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah says, look, I'm the person who they give me the wine or the grape juice or the drink first. I sip it. If it's poison, it's going to mess me up. <laughs> but it, at least it won't make it to King Artaxerxes. Before it gets, so, so Nehemiah is letting us know his position in his placement. Nehemiah is about to go up to King Artaxerxes. Come in. This is how I envision it. I just see King Artaxerxes. He's being fed a grape. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the movie 300. He's a really strange guy. Go watch the movie 300. That's him. I was thinking about this. I want to go back and watch the movie to see if there's somebody around the king giving him a drink. That's Nehemiah. Like real time. King Artaxerxes. Dude is kind of a strange dude. And Nehemiah goes, I'm about to go to the king and say, King Artaxerxes, most oh wonderful king guy. Yes, Nehemiah. So, you know how my people are back in Israel, right? Maybe. <laughs> I believe in God, and it's the God of the Bible, Yahweh. And I believe he's put a burden on my heart to go back to Israel, which means I'm going to have to leave here for a while. And I want to go help build the wall that was torn down by your people and a bunch of other people. I want to rebuild it. And I want to sure and firm up the gates. And I want to hang out with my people for a little bit. And I really want you to pay for it. <laughs> Sound good? <laughs> Nehemiah says, that's what I'm about to do. God, give me mercy with this man. Because in a moment, he could kill me. In a moment, because these kings are so paranoid, you don't need a cupbearer if you're not paranoid. Like, why do you need somebody to take a sip? Well, because you always think, oh, he's out to poison me. He's going to try to, who's pouring it? Where'd you get this? Where's that from? Right? These kings are very paranoid because they lack faith in God. You don't have to live paranoid when you have big faith. You don't. Because you believe he's in control. And so Nehemiah is recognizing, if I, make this, if I shoot my shot, this could end bad really quick. Because he might think, I'm just trying to leave. I don't honor him, but Nehemiah has such a good rep. I'm giving you the trailer. This is all to come. Just giving you next on Nehemiah, right? <laughs> to be continued. Like this is all what's about to happen. He's about to make, he's about to shoot his shot. But first he says, so God, before I do this, he confesses his sins. He acknowledges, he remembers, right? He turns to God. He asks for God's attention. He delights to fear the Lord's name. He prays for success today. And he says, now God, give me all the help that I can get with this pagan man who doesn't know you, but he, God, you might use him. 
You might even use somebody in the secular field to accomplish your mission. Today, grant him mercy in the sight of this man. I wonder if Nehemiah knew the words from King Solomon several years before in the Proverbs, Proverbs 21, verse one. He says it like this in Proverbs 21. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. I wonder if Nehemiah knew. Check this out. King Artaxerxes is a lowercase k king. God, you can change his heart in a minute. You could turn his heart toward me and toward our people in an instant. God, give me mercy. Turn his heart. Prayer can get you there. Can I, can, prayer can change somebody. Prayer can turn somebody's heart to the right direction. I love how this same verse is depicted in the NLT translation. In the NLT, Nehemiah says, Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Make it happen, God. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. What a prayer to pray. God, as I approach my boss, God, as I ask this person on a date, right? God, as I, as, as I bring this tough conversation up, God, as I go for it, as I take a step, as I... Walk by faith. God, put it in the person's Go before me. Wednesday night, we were praying for the Taliban leaders' hearts to be changed. God, we, were, we, we pray for President Biden as we should. We pray for Vice President Harris as we should. Regardless of your agreement upon their decisions or not, we still are called to agree with God to pray for them. And, and if you disagree with their stance, that's okay. Pray for their heart to be changed. That's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. Put it in his heart, God, to be kind to me. Look at the NIV translation. The NIV says, give your servant success today by, by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Ask for favor. God, I pray for success today and I pray for favor today. Everybody who I encounter, give me favor with them. Help me to have favor when I step in this room. I'm gonna step into a room, God. I need favor. Your help. You need help. Friends, we all need help. My, my mom taught me that, right? Pray for helpers. Pray for people that God would place in your life, angels, that might just be in your life to help you. You, you never know when you're entertaining angels. That's what it says in Hebrews 13. You may walk by a stranger, it might be an angel. This is Bible. I'm not making that up. You don't know who's sitting by you in this room today or who's watching online right this moment that could change your life. I'm praying for help. I'm praying for mercy. I'm praying for favor. I'm believing God for it. Amen. That's the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. This was his close. This was, this was the last thing he prayed in chapter one. He said, God, hear this prayer. Give me, a, give me your attention. God, I'm really praying that, that my, my motive would be delight. You'd give me success and you would help me accomplish your will and even use King Artaxerxes to do it. Wow, what a prayer to pray, amen? amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. You're a great and awesome God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins. 
God, I pray that today everybody in the room would have a heart change and we would delight to fear your name. That we would catch that from Nehemiah. And we would say, you know what, God? Change my spirit. Help me to have the delight over the duty where your commands are not burdensome. And when they, fear, when they feel burdensome, because God, sometimes they do. I know for me they do. God, there's times where it just feels burdensome to live this life as a believer. In those moments, God, change my motive. And if somebody's here today that doesn't have a successful relationship with you and hasn't experienced your mercy, and if you're here right now or you're watching online right now and you need to get saved right now, I wanna invite you to make the best decision you'll ever make. Start by confession. God, I confess I'm a sinner. God, I confess I've blown it. God, I confess I'm lost. And God, I confess you're the savior that I need and that you found me today at church and that you drew me near today at church and that I'll never be the same again because of this moment. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Come on, you can pray that. I turn away from my sins. I don't delight in those anymore. I delight in you, Jesus. Change my passions, change my pleasures, change my joy, change my dreams, change my heart. Go ahead and just hold your hands out. And just say, Lord, give me success in everything I put my hand to. Go ahead and touch your heart. God, change my heart. Thank you that our heart beats, God. Thank you that our lungs are breathing, God. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. God, I pray for a heart that beats for you. Touch your mind. God, I pray for a mind that thinks about you, that asks, what would Jesus do? What would the king do? Help me to think your thoughts, because your ways are not my ways, but I want them to be. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I want your thoughts, God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. I'm ready to be a disciple. I'm ready to follow you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. 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 Yeah. yeah.